three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 352. Welcome in. Hope you've had a great week. Uh, today we're going to talk about the NFL schedule. We'll talk about uh, the Jaguars. We're going to do some predictions versus reality for the AFC West. I have some Patreon questions sprinkled in there. I do want to start today with a quick correction. Last episode, I said that Jake Paul was fighting Floyd Mayweather, and uh, I was wrong. Uh, to be clear, it's actually his brother, Logan Paul. So uh, Logan Paul is fighting Floyd Mayweather. When I found out, I was very disappointed. I got I to be honest, I, uh, I was less interested. I think that Jake Paul is just a better villain than his brother, Logan Paul. Uh, many people don't care. They're like, they're happy to see either one of those guys get their face beat in by Floyd Mayweather. Um, and I, I just, that's my opinion. I think Jake Paul's a better villain. Uh, now, Jake Paul did steal Floyd Mayweather's hat. That's what threw me off and got me confused. I don't know why they were interacting, but I used to brother, whatever. I don't know. Again, I was wrong, though. Here's the correction. Logan Paul, not Jake Paul, but Logan Paul, will fight Floyd Mayweather on June 6th in Miami. And uh, I guess... You know, the other thing I want to say is that this week, I don't want to call it big news. It was big news, but it was really, I think a better word is, you know, tragic or heartbreaking or depressing or disappointing. Uh, News broke this week that former Hawaii quarterback Colt Brennan died. Uh, He was 37 years old. It broke my heart, man. Uh, I loved Colt Brennan when I was growing up. Broke a ton of records. He put Hawaii football on the map. And uh, when I found out, man, it made me so upset. I, uh, I actually made a Madden franchise mode on Madden 11. I built around Colt Brennan. I felt like I gave him the chance he never really got in the NFL to have a team believe in him and build around him. It was very uh, cathartic for me. And Colt Brennan was a bit before his time. Where It's funny. I went back and watched the video of him getting drafted uh, in the NFL draft. And the criticisms people had of him, analysts in the draft process, knocked Colt Brennan for things that today we praise quarterbacks for. And it's very, like, huh, interesting how things do change, where, you know, he was seen as too small. He's six foot two. You know, Kyler Murray's five foot ten. Russell Wilson's five foot eleven. People said that, you know, Colt Brennan improvises too much and that, you know, he throws the ball from different arm angles. And, oh, no, that's bad. You know, depending on what kind of throw he makes, his arm is at a different angle. And it's like, how crazy is that? I just described exactly how Patrick Mahomes plays football, but it was bad back then, and now things have evolved and changed. And, you know, in 2021, we, we praise Patrick Mahomes for the same things that we used to knock Colt Brennan for. I'm not saying Colt Brennan's the best quarterback ever or anything like that, but I, it just feels like Colt Brennan was a little bit too early and, and definitely before his time. Remember, he got into a big car accident. He was never the same after that, had some personal problems. And I, man, I, looking back at Colt Brennan, the, man, I, I, I got, I, again, I, I just loved him, man. It was so much fun to watch him when I was a kid. I think the biggest lesson you can learn from Colt Brennan is that there's life after football. I've heard a lot of people say that Colt Brennan peaked in college. And it's sad there's that attitude where I, I think people just don't understand. And I want people to realize as a football player, as a quarterback, You can use the lessons and the skills you learned on the field to dominate off the field. You know, preparation, work ethic, um, leadership, attention to detail. These are all useful, valuable skills you can use in anything. It doesn't matter whether you're playing football, quarterback or not. It doesn't matter. And uh, I just I hope people realize you can have life after football. There's kind of this thing where you see a lot of guys in college that are big stars that don't work in the NFL. And it feels like they they don't realize they can take what they learned and what they did. The the skills and the traits that made them so successful in football can make them successful off the field. And I, uh, man, it just made me so sad. Colt Brennan was a legend. And uh, he always, he was so just cool. I remember how he dressed in the the armbands and the visor. Like, oh my gosh. And uh, he will be missed, man. He, uh, Colt Brennan was a legend. And uh, it's very, very sad that he's gone. I want to shift gears to Jacksonville, Florida. One second, drinking water. 
I, I don't feel I, I got sick this week and I don't I just don't feel very good. I'm doing the best I can. I uh, and it's been a couple of days since I did a show. I just feel off my game a little bit. I not really. I'm do, I, I didn't get COVID or anything like that. I'm I'm vaccinated actually, uh, which I I hope means you can't get COVID. I would think. Uh, not that I'm like cavalierly running around, but I I don't feel very good. I just kind of feel off a little bit. Um, I want to shift to Florida. A lot of people believe that I hate the Jaguars' new quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And I don't. Like, not at all. I do not hate him. In fact, I really like him. And I encourage people to go listen to what I've said and watch the videos I've put out. And if you really listen to what I say, I think you can glean that I don't hate the guy. But I also wasn't 100% positive, and that's kind of the sin is, God forbid, I, I say one thing questioning Maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be a future Hall of Famer. Like, we're not 100% sure. And I had some concerns, and I, I stand by what I, my concerns were. I don't I think it's a problem to ask questions. Um, but I do want to be clear. I am rooting for Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence uh, is awesome. I think it's cool that he's married. I, I hope he does very, very well. And I hope that Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback the Jaguars have ever had. I'd, I'd be so happy if he developed into that. Uh, and I really, Jaguars fans, oh my gosh, they so deserve a franchise quarterback. I feel horrible for Jaguars fans. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting for years to have a guy like Trevor Lawrence hopefully does become. And if you look back at the Jaguars' history as a franchise, and they're a relatively young franchise, by the way. They began in 1993, 28 years ago. Now, the two best quarterbacks in Jaguars history are Mark Brunel and Blake Bortles. Mark Brunel was awesome. He's this cool left-handed quarterback. Uh, He's the Jaguars' all-time leading passer, led them to the playoffs. But he played from 1995 to 2003, and he's really the last franchise quarterback the Jacksonville Jaguars have had. And it's been a long, long time. It's been a while since the Mark Brunel era. Now, David Garrard was solid. Uh, was he a franchise quarterback? Was he not? That's debatable. Uh, he also played with Byron Leftwich. Now, Blake Bortles is the Jaguars' second all-time leading passer when you look at the statistics. Uh, he was a number three overall pick who didn't really live up to the expectations and the hopes that people put on him. He was kind of a disappointment, if I'm totally honest, a Central Florida guy who just didn't become the franchise savior people hoped Blake Bortles would be. And for context, you know, with quarterbacks for the Jaguars, and part of it's because they're a young franchise, part of it's because you go Mark Burnell, David Garrard for eight years, a bunch of years with Blake Bortles. Like, there's not a lot of opportunities for quarterbacks. But for context about how not, you know, I guess not impressive Jaguars quarterbacks have been, Gardner Minshew has only been in the NFL for two years and hasn't been a full-time starter for two years. But he's played for two seasons in Jacksonville. He's already the Jaguars' sixth all-time leading passer. It says a lot about them that Gardner can come in and basically play well for a handful of games and get on their all-time passing yardage leader list. Again, they're a young franchise, but they also haven't had a franchise quarterback that they've hoped they would get for a long, long time. They also drafted Blaine Gabbert, quarterback out of Missouri, uh, 10th overall in 2011. He didn't pan out either. So Jaguars fans have been waiting and waiting and waiting, trying and hoping to get a franchise quarterback. It's been a long time, but finally they have Trevor Lawrence. And it's very cool. I, I, it looks like he's the guy who can be the answer to all of their prayers. And I, I am hoping that Trevor Lawrence becomes the best Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback ever, ever to play, best in their history, Uh, And I do want to say this. I want to talk about the 2021 season, Trevor Lawrence's upcoming rookie year. As a rookie, I expect Trevor Lawrence to be solid. Uh, Some ups, some downs, some highs and lows, good games and bad games. He'll probably, because he's probably going to play a ton, him, Zach Wilson, uh, other guys that play a lot. He'll probably end up in the conversation for rookie of the year. There's also some good weapons around him. There's a lot of young talent in Jacksonville. But I just hope that people are, are patient with Trevor Lawrence. Give him time. Don't, do not expect a Super Bowl next year. I know that's like obvious and of course, but my, my point is don't panic 
if Trevor Lawrence isn't just perfect right away. Give the guy some time to grow and develop. He might be. I don't expect him to jump into the NFL, to step in tomorrow and be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Maybe he does that. I don't, I don't think that'll happen. But my point is, is if he's not, it's okay. Like, he's a rookie quarterback. Give him time. I just, I hope people have patience. I know that Jaguars fans have been waiting and waiting and waiting for years. And I keep hearing people throw out the word generational. He's a generational talent. And I don't think that's helpful. I, I, I worry. The expectations are, like, jacked up to a million. And I don't. It's not fair to compare Trevor Lawrence to Peyton Manning. I, you can if you want to. I think that's a bit like let the guy be himself and do his own thing and develop on his own time. Remember, Peyton Manning had an awful rookie year and then in year two got better. So my point is, please allow the Jaguars, who are a really bad organization, time. Give them time to turn things around. If Trevor Lawrence goes out there in week one and you know somehow is awful, don't panic. It's okay. They're a terrible organization. They're, they're a really bad football team with a lot of young players and a first-time NFL head coach. I'm just asking people, if somehow Trevor isn't amazing next year, take a deep breath. It's all good. Give this guy patience and time because the Jaguars have a lot to turn around. Uh, let's shift gears now. The biggest news of the week, kind of the – it feels a little – I got to be honest, man. It feels a little bit forced. I can't be the only person who goes – the schedule wow it's not that like i've seen nfl instagram and twitter and all week people just pushing for this to be this big massive event espn literally held i think a like a three-hour event the schedule reveal Ooh, and i i just don't people ask me to cover it and so i will i i did look at the schedule and take a bunch of notes but i i don't know Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I, I, I for me, it's like it's it's cool. There's a couple of games on my schedule. I'm really excited to watch to, to watch and then I'm looking forward to and I'll share those games. But am I the only one who feels like it's a little bit blown out of proportion? Like people are trying a little bit too hard to make this a thing. I don't know. Maybe people just miss football, which I can't. Oh, my gosh. I can't blame them at all. Um, well, I saw a, a post today. We're like 120 days away from the season. Like, yes. We're come, we're so close, and I can't wait for that. But um, for me, like I, we're forcing it like a little bit. But let's dive in. The NFL schedule came out, uh, and I'm curious. I got to ask people. Please send me messages or comment on YouTube. What game or what couple games are you looking forward to next year? I'm really curious. You know, please feel free to send me feedback. For me, the number one game that I cannot wait to watch next year. Like I am so so excited. Week four, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to Foxborough to play the Patriots, Tom Brady's old team. And that's going to be, oh my gosh, storylines are, there's like an endless amount of really, really compelling storylines there. Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. Will Tom Brady get booed or will they cheer? I would imagine that people in Boston and the Massachusetts area, you know, New England, I would imagine they're going to cheer Tom Brady when he returns he gave so much for their organization, but I, I don't know. What if the Patriots win? What, what if somehow Bill Belichick and the Patriots beat Tom Brady? I don't It's so much. Uh, that's the game that I have scheduled where I'm like, I cannot wait to watch that. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, and if there's a game that's not that one that you feel that way about, please let me know. I'm really, really curious what other games, because uh, undoubtedly there's a bunch of games I'm going to list, but for sure. There are also games I'm going to miss and that I left out that are meaningful to you that I maybe overlooked. So please let me know. Now, as far as the rest of the schedule, I want to share my notes. There's some more fun games. Uh, I do have some concerns and some questions. I realized that I was going through the schedule. I'm like, man, I don't. How good is Dallas? How good is Pittsburgh with Big Ben? What about Detroit? Are the Lions going to be good? Is Jared Goff the guy or not? I don't know. The Packers are hard to get a read on. Like, are the Packers going to have... Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback next year or not? That's a huge swing. I mean, with Aaron Rodgers or without Aaron Rodgers is a massive difference. Are the Broncos going to have Aaron Rodgers? That would massively change the way. Like, people are making predictions. I'm like, whoa, we're like, the offseason is still not over. Like, let's see what really happens before we make predictions for next year. It's like way too early, in my opinion, to make predictions on the NFL season. Guys are going to get hurt. People are going to get moved. Like, Come on. It's too early for that. But people can do whatever they want. 
Um, I am hoping to see the Carolina Panthers grow with Sam Darnold. Like I, gosh, I think if I was a fan of any team right now in the NFL, it must be Carolina. I love their owner. I love their coach. I love their offensive coordinator. I love their quarterback. I love what they got going on there. I love their long snapper, Thomas Fletcher. And they got some solid young players. Like I'm really, really curious. Can Carolina continue to grow and build what they're doing? Uh, I want to see if the Cardinals can take a big step forward. I think there's, if any coach is on the hot seat, it's Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Like, they have to win this year. Or else, man, it, they got a problem there in Arizona. Uh, are the Raiders going to grow and improve? It's year four with John Gruden. And they, pressure's on in, in Vegas. I mean, it's, you can't really fire John Gruden. He's got a 10-year contract, but maybe the GM uh, they fired the defensive coordinator last year in December. So that's kind of, they already did that one. So who is left to blame? I, I think he's got to continue to grow as a franchise. And there's pressure a lot in Las Vegas, uh, Kansas city. I look at their schedule and I go, man, this team feels like a juggernaut. They're just, uh, they might be back in the super bowl again. And, uh, here are some more games I'm looking forward to week one, by the way. Oh my goodness. Week one of the NFL season is amazing. So, we have the Jets at the Panthers. That's the first game. I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be really, really fun to watch. Sam Darnold against his old team. By the way, the team that traded him away for like nothing. They, they didn't want him. That's And how interesting. Here's a hypothetical possibility. What if the Jets had kept Sam Darnold and drafted Kyle Pitts or, you know, Jamar Chase, something like that, or Panay Sewell? Like, they didn't. They wanted to get a whole new quarterback and restart rather than work with Sam Darnold. How is that for rejection? So it's Sam Darnold, a chance to play his old team and show them what they're missing out on. It's also our first opportunity as football fans to watch Zach Wilson, the Jets' number two overall pick. Uh, the quarterback the Jets replaced Sam with. I mean, it's endless how many good things and compelling storylines there are in this game as well. You know, I talked about the Patriots you know, Tom Brady going back to New England. How about Sam Darnold hosting the Jets? That's cool. And I'd be so, so happy for Carolina if they beat the Jets week one. Now, another week one game, you have the Jaguars at Texans. I got to say, this is a really, really good start for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got a new coach, got a new quarterback. We would think week one, maybe Gardner Minshew starts. I don't know. I would imagine, though, Trevor Lawrence is the guy week one. And uh, for them to get to play the worst team in the NFL, the Houston Texans week one, and have a great start to their entire journey. New coach, new quarterback, new season. What a wonderful gift the NFL gave the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now we also week one have the Seattle Seahawks at the Indianapolis Colts. It's an interesting matchup. And I, I really can't wait to watch the Colts new quarterback Carson Wentz playing for Indianapolis. I You know, the Colts have a better roster. I would imagine that they win. You would think they're the favorite here, but then remember Seattle has Russell Wilson, who does seem to balance everything out anytime he plays a game for Seattle. So I, it's interesting, man. I, I want to watch Carson Wentz with his new team and back reunited with Frank Reich. Colts and Seahawks week one, that should be awesome. Another week one game, uh, we have the Bears at the Rams. And maybe, you know, are we going to see Justin Fields, their first-round quarterback draft pick at all? I don't know whether he's the starter or if it's Andy Dalton, how's that going to go? Or maybe even if Andy Dalton is the starter, does Justin Fields have a couple plays they made specifically for him to take advantage of his skill set? I don't know. Plus, I also cannot wait to watch Matthew Stafford, the Rams' new quarterback, who, I, man, I got really, really high expectations for the L.A. Rams this year. New quarterback, awesome coach, great defense. I expect a lot from the Rams in 2021. I got to say, by the way, there are two, as I look at the schedule, there are two opportunities I feel like the NFL, usually they give a team, if you trade away a quarterback, usually, or your quarterback leaves, they usually give you one year before you play that old team. Like Tom Brady didn't play the Patriots last year. That's not a mistake. They wait usually two years, till, in two years out, then you play your old team. Like, Sam Darnold playing Zach Wilson is a rarity. You usually don't have your, you know, a, t a quarterback play their old team immediately. Um, but I, I'm really disappointed that the Colts do not play Philly. I would have loved to see Carson Wentz with his new team play against Philadelphia, who Philadelphia's coach. Oh my goodness. I can't be alone. Every time Nick Sirianni opens his mouth, I'm like, 
that dude's an idiot. Like that that dude does not know what he's doing. It's it's crazy. To me. Like he was talking today on some video about how he does rock paper scissors with potential draft. You know what, what do you call what potential people they might draft to see if they're competitive. It's like what are you talking about? It's nonsense to me. Uh, and I feel bad because I love Jalen Hurts, but if Jalen Hurts fails, it's probably because he's got an idiot coach rather than Jalen's just terrible. Um, and then also the other missed opportunity is I. I wish the Lions played the Rams. I, you know, they traded quarterbacks. The Lions quarterback went to the Rams. They got Matthew Stafford. And the Rams, sorry, the Lions got the Rams' old quarterback, Jared Goff. So I want to see Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford play against their old team. Uh, I would imagine the Rams would win that game. But it's just interesting. I, I don't know. And I, I, I would love to see that. I also got questions, you know, is, is Jared Goff even the long-term plan in Detroit? I think there's a game... Later this year, but we'll find out pretty quickly. Like, you know, for example, week one, the 49ers play at the Lions. It's going to be a huge, huge, interesting game there because I think the 49ers win. But I have such a fascination with Detroit this year where they've got a new head coach who I can't get a read on. I love their offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn. They've got some decent new players there. But is Jared Goff the Lions quarterback long-term or not? That's what they're trying to figure out this year. It's kind of the audition. This year is Jared Goff's year to prove himself, to prove that he deserves to be the guy long-term in Detroit. Because if he's not, they can just, hey, draft his replacement. No problem. And uh, I just, I'm so, so curious what happens with Jared Goff in Detroit this year. Uh, Now, I got to say, the 49ers schedule, they've got a... Like a chef's kiss, like a, a a present. You know, Santa Claus came early for the 49ers. Here is their uh, some of their schedule. I see a lot of wins when I look at the 49ers schedule. And they play, they could win maybe 11, 12, even in a, in, if they're playing like amazing, they could win 13 games next year. The 49ers start with the Lions week one. Then they play Philly. Then the Packers, who maybe will not have Aaron Rodgers. Then they play Seattle twice. Uh, the Cardinals, the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Texans, who are awful, and the Rams. And I go, man, Lions is probably a win. Eagles, Seattle at least once. Cardinals, Vikings, Jaguars, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans. Like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of winnable games when you look at the 49ers schedule. And I know that the 49ers just drafted the quarterback of the future for them, Trey Lance. But it's very possible that they people are we might be like week 10 where people are going why did the 49ers draft a new quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo might look really good playing a cupcake schedule this year in the NFL that's there's never really a cupcake schedule it's not like college football but oh my goodness if, if Jimmy G stays healthy the 49ers have an opportunity to win a lot of games next year in 2021 now uh, week two, we got the Bills at the Dolphins. This could be a bloodbath. It's, uh, you know, it's really good Miami defense against Josh Allen. And then Tua with, you know, Jalen Waddell, some good receivers uh, there in Miami. And uh, it's going to be an intense, fun division rivalry game between the Bills and the Dolphins. And I, uh, week two, man, it's going to be fun. Another game in week two is Kansas City at Baltimore. That's Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes. Casey probably wins this game, um, but it'll be fun. And the Ravens now have two stud receivers. They have, you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown, but they also have a new first round pick, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. So I want to see, will the Ravens offense develop and start throwing the ball a little bit better with more success than they did last year? Uh, I think, you know, part of helping your young quarterback, Lamar Jackson, develop is getting him another weapon, another receiver. So I, I am really excited. I, again, I think Kansas City probably wins this game week two. But Baltimore's got an opportunity here to ch- you know challenge Kansas City and show what they can do, and I, I'm all for it. Now, week five is fun. Another Bills game. You have uh, the Bills at Kansas City. Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. That'll be really fun. Uh, plus, in week five, you also have the Colts at the Ravens. Remember, the Colts left Baltimore in 1984. So there's some drama there already. You know, Baltimore, they hate the Colts, that kind of stuff. Uh, but plus, the Colts' defense is really, really good. And the Colts' defense against Lamar Jackson, oh my goodness, that'll be really fun. Uh, and again, how good is Carson Wentz going to be in a Colts uniform? 
you know, with their with his new coach, uh, the guy he used to coach. You know, Frank Reich used to coach Carson in Philadelphia. That's when Carson was really, really good. By week five, we're going to know a lot more than we know now about how things are going with Carson Wentz and Indianapolis. I, I, I'm so excited for that to unfold. That'll be really, really cool. Uh, week six, you have the Chargers at the Ravens. That's Lamar versus Justin Herbert, two incredibly gifted quarterbacks. That'll be really fun. You also, week six, have the Cardinals at the Browns. Uh, I've talked about how Cliff Kingsbury, the, Brown, the, the Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, is probably on the hot seat this year. He has to have a good year and do well. And playing at Cleveland week six, that's a big test for Arizona where, again, Arizona needs to have a breakout year. And we're going to learn a lot about Arizona in this game on the road, week six at Cleveland. Plus, we also have Kyler Murray versus Baker Mayfield. They are both former Oklahoma quarterbacks who transferred into Oklahoma, won the Heisman Trophy, went number one overall in the NFL draft. They're friends. It should be cool. Kyler versus Baker week six. That'll be really, really fun. Uh, week 12, we have the Jets at Houston. Excuse me, I, I went ahead of myself. Uh, week 8, the Bengals at the Jets. Joe Burrow against Zach Wilson. Really what I'm curious, the Bengals, I, I think they're, I don't know, it's hard to get a read. I don't, I don't know a lot about the Jets right now. Uh, we, I need to learn how, how good they're going to be week 1 and kind of get a read on them. But the Jets head coach, Robert Sala, is a defensive-minded head coach. Really, really good design. I am curious how he plans to slow down Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. They have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase on either side at receiver. Not the best offensive line, but I, I would imagine that they're going to ball it very quickly out of Joe Burrow's hands. I, I'm really curious for this matchup. Jets, uh, sorry, Bengals at Jets week eight. That'll be really fun. Week nine, another Browns game. You have the Browns at the Bengals. They also play week 18. But remember last year, the battle for Ohio. When Joe Burrow was healthy. Oh my goodness. It was so much fun. Joe Burrow against Baker. I cannot wait for round two. That's going to happen week nine. Week 12, you have the Jets at Houston. I expect Zach Wilson to do really, really well. By week 12, you got a lot of things figured out. Uh, Week 13, Thursday night football. Dallas at New Orleans. Remember, the Saints head coach, Sean Payton, hates Dallas. They didn't hire him as their head coach. Uh, he's never forgotten that. That'll be really, really fun. Uh, also, who's the Saints quarterback going to be? We won't know. Uh, week 13 is going to be fun. Saints, Dallas, that'll be exciting. Uh, also, week 13 on Monday Night Football, you have the Patriots at the Bills. Uh, I would imagine Mac Jones is not going to be playing by this point. He could be. We'll find out. Uh, but Patriots at Bills should be awesome. There's going to be later in the year some playoff implications, uh, things uh, you know, some stakes are going to be real week 13, a division rivalry. Patriots at Bills should be really, really fun. I, mean, I think the Bills are having a full stadium this year, full of vaccinated people. That'd be really, really cool. And then the last game I'm really looking forward to, uh, I mean, there's, there's, of course, there are more, but the one, the last one in my notes that I thought was worth pointing out is that in week 16, the Jaguars go to New York and play the Jets. Trevor Lawrence against Zach Wilson, the number one overall pick against the number two overall pick. Uh, near the end of the year. So as the year goes on, teams get better and better and quarterbacks grow and teams come together. And I, a lot of things are going to be ironed out by week 16 for the Jaguars and the Jets. Could be a really fun game. I, I, I think, man, Trevor Lawrence for Zach Wilson, oh my goodness, is going to be fun. And uh, I already know week 16, assuming they're both healthy, is going to be a really, really fun game. Now, another kind of note I have about the NFL schedule The NFC East feels like it's totally up for grabs. Uh, The Cowboys have Dak Prescott back. He's healthy. Washington got a new quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Giants got better. Uh, They added two new receivers. The Eagles hired a new head coach who seems like an idiot, but he might work. I love their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. They also drafted a receiver, Devontae Smith. Like, I cannot wait. By the way, I think I want to make this prediction now. It's really, really, really likely we're going to look back at the Eagles hiring Nick Sirianni and go, why did they not hire Eric Bieniemy? Eric Bieniemy, the Kansas City offensive coordinator, was sitting there waiting to be a new head coach. Like, gives great answers, is incredibly well-spoken. He's like the opposite of Nick Sirianni. And if Nick Sirianni fails in Philly, 
which it, right now I'm definitely leaning towards. He's not going to work. We're going to go, why in the world did they not hire Eric Bieniemy? Like, how are you going to tell me Nick Sirianni, this mumbling, bumbling kind of idiot when he talks and opens his mouth? You're telling me that dude had a better interview than Eric Bieniemy? You're, you're, it's not true. Like, I, I cannot believe they didn't hire Eric Bieniemy. And I, the more I, as I'm, I'm talking and thinking about it, like it's very possible and very likely we're going to be very critical in December and January of the Eagles for hiring the wrong head coach. Uh, now, I worry about Washington. Washington, the first nine games for them are brutal. They play the Chargers. They play the Giants, the Bills, the Falcons, the Saints, Kansas City, the Packers, the Broncos, and Tampa. Washington could start, I think... A good start for Washington would be four and five, which is not good. Maybe they go three and six to start in the first nine games. I am not feeling good about Washington. Their schedule is really difficult. Miami's schedule is also brutal. The Dolphins have, I fear the Dolphins could start three and seven or four and six after the first 10 games. Miami's got a really bad start. They play at the Patriots. They play the Bills. They play at Las Vegas against the Raiders. The Colts, Carson Wentz, that good defense. Uh, they play at the Buccaneers, who are Tom Brady and that gang of really good football players. They have the Jaguars, the Falcons, the Bills, the Texans, and the Ravens, man. You know, Patriots, Bills, Raiders will probably be better. The Colts, the Buccaneers, the, the Falcons have some weapons. Uh, the Bills are really good. The Ravens, like, I don't see a lot of winnable games early for Miami unless, unless Miami's really good. If Miami, I guess the question is, can Miami, Tua, their defense, uh, Jalen Waddell, can they beat really, really good teams? I cannot wait to find out. Uh, should be very, very interesting. And the final thing I want to say, the pressure's on in Vegas. Like, John Gruden is probably not going to get blamed because it's year four and he's got a 10-year contract, but... The Raiders have a really rough start. They play the Ravens. They play at the Steelers. They play the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Bears, at Denver, and then Philly. And the Raiders have to have a good start. Year four, John Gruden, a team that needs to make progress and take a step forward. And I I, I fear the Raiders have a really hard schedule to start their year in 2021. We'll find out. Um, But it's a couple teams, Miami, Washington, and the Raiders. I went, oof. They got they got a, a brutal start. Washington in particular, Washington and Miami, they better be good because if they're not, they're going to start three and six, you know, four and six, really bad starts. And I, I worry about Washington and Miami. And I guess, guys, those are all my notes. That's after looking at the 2021 NFL schedule. That's everything I have to say. That is all my notes. I've exhausted everything. Uh, and I had a good time looking to the schedule. Again, I, I, I want to repeat this last thing. Please let me know. What games are you looking forward to? Are there games I missed? Let me know. Write in, message me on Instagram or Patreon, whatever. Uh, And uh, yeah, those are my notes from looking at the 2021 NFL schedule. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do predictions versus reality for the AFC West. Should be fun. Uh, And at the end of the show, by the way, we'll do a Formula One topic for you. Small group of people like me. Who enjoy Formula One. My name is Zach Schaumler. Gonna take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. It is now time for predictions versus reality for the AFC West. That is the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, and Kansas City. In case you're new to predictions versus reality, uh, I take pride in revisiting my past statements to go back and say, huh, was I right? Was I wrong? Especially when I'm wrong. I I usually don't gloat. There's not a lot of times I've gone back. I I try to be the big guy, the bigger man and say, when I'm right about something, I don't dance in anybody's grave and be like, ha ha ha. I usually just kind of, but I really try to, I don't really celebrate when I'm right, but I really try to talk about when I'm wrong uh, because I want to make an effort and admit when I get stuff wrong. It's important. I think a lot of people I would even say I, I probably more aggressively talk about when I'm wrong than any other sportscaster out there. There's not another person who really goes back, I think, the same way I do and go, huh, what was I wrong about? So let's start in L.A. Uh, we'll do the L.A. Chargers. 
It's time for predictions versus reality for the L.A. Chargers. And, uh, oh, the obvious thing I think a lot of people are looking forward to me talking about is hearing me revisit my comments on the Chargers rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert. And I figure if nobody else is going to make a compilation, I might as well do it myself. Uh, It's time to keep myself honest, to kind of uh, keep myself accountable. I'm going to play a couple of clips And uh, here's what I said about Justin Herbert last year. Roll the clown music. But I I am not confident that Justin Herbert is going to succeed as an NFL quarterback. I do not believe Justin Herbert loves football. I don't believe Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, loves the game of football. Justin Herbert has a number of really alarming problems as a quarterback. He's going to need to sit for a while. I would hope. My favorite team does not draft Justin Herbert. He's got too many mistakes and too many problems, and there's other quarterbacks available that are a lot better than him. He is not ready to be an NFL starter. He needs to sit for a while. It's like he plateaued. He just stopped getting better. There's a He just has been kind of the same quarterback for the last three years. Why isn't he getting significantly better every year the same way Joe Burrow is? I think Justin Herbert was like, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's working. Just keep. He's just going to keep driving the car down the road rather than accelerating the car and dialing it up a notch and continuing to improve and continuing to progress. My uneasy gut feeling about Justin Herbert is because he doesn't love football. He likes football, doesn't love it, and that's a huge difference. And I wouldn't want a franchise quarterback that doesn't love the game of football. Now, hey, look, it's fun to meme on myself, make fun of myself a little bit, but I do also feel a desire to defend my honor, like just just a tiny bit. So I think it's forgotten. I also did say this stuff. Many of the problems Justin Herbert has are fixable. If he gets a good coach and works the right person, he could fix these mistakes and become a solid quarterback. Uh, maybe that's just his style. I, I try to be very, you know, very cautious. Maybe Justin Herbert's just a boring even keel guy that never gets too high and never gets too low. So maybe that's an unfair criticism. I acknowledge that. It's not even a criticism. It's just a, I'm pointing that out. You watch Joe Burrow. He's excited. He cares. He's passionate. There's a thing that comes out of him. It's like a fire inside. You don't see that same fire when you watch Justin Herbert, but maybe that's just their personality differences. I acknowledge that. And this is all speculation. I can own that. You, you might be mad. Zach, you can't say this stuff. I can say whatever I want. But this is speculation. I'm making a guess here. It's my gut feeling. I don't know. This isn't confirmed. There's no facts here. I'm just, this is what I believe and kind of my opinion. That's what the show is. And if you want to poke holes in this opinion and this theory, go ahead. You can poke holes in this all you want. This is not bulletproof. I'm not going to be able to have conversations with Justin Herbert the same way other NFL teams. NFL teams get the opportunity to meet Justin Herbert, to shake his hand, to have in-depth conversations about him. I believe if I could talk to Justin Herbert in person, I could get a sense of, does he love football or not? So last year, I predicted the L.A. Chargers to go 6-10. and 10. Uh, And I was actually pretty close. The reality is they went 7-9. and nine. Uh, But it's the substance that I got very, very wrong. I assumed that Tyrod Taylor was going to play most of the year. Uh, the main focus of the Chargers season last year was their young quarterback, Justin Herbert. And I was monumentally wrong about Justin. He won the NFL Rookie of the Year award. Uh, I guess offensive rookie of the year because it's an offensive defensive rookie. Uh, he threw for 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And uh, I got to be honest, Justin was way, way better last year than he was two years ago in his senior year at Oregon. Uh, and I honestly believe that not having classes, uh, that helped him. Remember, he's a 4.0 student, was in a pretty hard major uh, being able to fully focus on football, for sure, I, I have no doubt that helped Justin. And then also, he got much better coaching. He was working with Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn and their quarterback coach, Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton, former D.C. Defenders XFL coach, now the quarterback coach in Houston, actually. Uh, and all the problems I saw on tape in college simply did not show up last year in the NFL, which is uh, that never I, I can't imagine a time where that's happened where a guy had all these flaws and problems in college, and then clearly did a ton of work and prepared really hard to get rid of them. And I, man, one of the things I talked about was how Justin didn't get better. You know, I, like for years, I was like, man, why is Justin not getting better? 
And I always put that on Justin. Like maybe Justin isn't working very hard or there's something, there's like a lackadaisical nature to him or something where it's like, he's just happy chilling. I think the reality is I didn't put any blame on the Oregon coaching staff and getting better coaching pretty clearly made Justin way better. And uh, any criticism of his work ethic or this or that, like just wrong because he got way better last year. Now, another thing, I think the thing I was most wrong about uh, in my analysis of Justin Herbert is I kept saying like, do not play Justin early in the year. Do not play him. I, th- I thought early in the year meant too early, but I really, when I said do not play Justin too early, I meant week one, week two, like Justin better not take the field. And uh, week two against the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs, Justin was forced into action and was outstanding. He held his own, played very, very well. And from that point on, Justin went on a tear and it was very, very impressive all year. Now, as a team, forget Justin for a second. As a team, the L.A. Chargers underperformed a bit. Uh, they lost seven games by one score or less. I would imagine that is why the Anthony Lynn era came to an end. And actually, a common theme in the Anthony Lynn era, he is the former head coach in L.A., they lost a lot of games by one score with Anthony Lynn as their head coach. That must say something about him. Uh, he got fired. I think the lowest point of the year for L.A. was week 13, where they got absolutely embarrassed by the Patriots, 45 to nothing. Now, the Chargers' new head coach is Brandon Staley, the former Rams defensive coordinator. I'm hopeful for the, the Chargers' future, man. I feel really good about it. Uh, they got a lot of young talent. They found their franchise quarterback. They got a new coach. Uh, their other first-round pick, Kenneth Murray, a linebacker. Had a pretty solid rookie year. I'm excited for his future as well. I mean, I can't wait to watch the Chargers play. I can't wait to see them play in 2021. It's going to be really fun. Uh, Now, to end this segment, I want to read a question from the audience. Tyler wrote in on Patreon, as you can as well. Go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Tyler wrote this. He said, hey, Zach, I am a new Patreon member, and this is my first time posting a question. Anyways, congrats on the engagement. I am so incredibly happy for you. You deserve all the happiness in the world. I'm actually not wearing the ring today. It's, it makes a loud sound on the table. Here's my question. Tyler says, evaluating quarterbacks is hard. I feel as though I have a good eye for them, but obviously I make errors in judgment like everyone else. For instance, I would have never put stock in, I, I never put stock in a Josh Allen. And well, we know how that turned out. Just like me, you had severe doubts about Justin Herbert. Can you explain the difficulty in judging quarterbacks coming out of college and how sometimes these players can go beyond expectations of most? Um, yeah, so the hardest part of evaluating quarterbacks for me is that I can't talk to them. It's been fun, actually. Some of the college quarterbacks that are becoming NFL quarterbacks I, I've been talking to recently, and that's it's fun to get to know them a little bit and hear how their brains work. Um, but... Justin Herbert was a guy I couldn't talk to. I didn't I didn't get into a room with him and meet with him. Uh, and NFL teams can get in a room and talk with these guys and ask them about their mistakes and what went wrong and ask them all kinds of questions. And for me, evaluating quarterbacks, that's a massive disadvantage is not being able to talk to a lot of these guys in the draft process. You know, film only tells you so much. And uh, I think I went a little bit far inferencing things on film that must have meant something about who he is rather than just going... I don't know. Uh, and I, like, for example, Justin kept making the same mistake over and over and over again in college. And I thought, like, this guy must not love football. Like, why is he not getting better? But the reality is, I think it was actually that he wasn't getting very good coaching at Oregon. And if I met with Justin, I could have asked him, like, hey, what's up with these mistakes? Why do you wh- why are you struggling to throw the ball up and over defenders or uh, what's up with you extending plays and not going very well? And, you know, I would ask him about all this stuff, but I, I can't ask him that. Um, and I also would ask him, you know, why do you love football? You can't ask someone, do you love football? They're going to say, yeah, of course. And that's the end of the conversation. But if you ask somebody why they love football, their answer and the passion behind it and what they have to say, it's very, very telling. And I just, in the draft process, I can't get in a room with a guy like Justin Herbert. Now, uh, I'm kind of an outsider. Uh, some of that's by choice. Some of that, you know, I have friends in the NFL, but I, I don't want to bother them. Like, I really... I, the last thing I would want to do is have a guy in the NFL come on my show and then he says something noteworthy that gets reported everywhere, which would help me, by the way. But I I fear that I would derail his career, and I don't want to do that. 
Um, and I also got to say, sometimes I don't trust people with microphones who are really good friends with quarterbacks where, like, if you're really good, fr- ask yourself this question. If you're really good friends with somebody, are you biased about them? Because I am. I love my friends. If my friends make a mistake, I'm going to go, ah, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very, very careful before I come down hard on them. And I, so when people are really good friends with a lot of these quarterbacks, I kind of don't trust them. I'm like, you're biased, dude. Like very, very biased. And some people have shows where they don't ask people hard questions and it drives me nuts. It's like, man, that's not a real question. Like you're just BSing and people like that. I don't know. Um, But I, I, look, I, I'm totally derailed from the point here. Justin Herbert and Josh Allen completely changed the way I evaluate quarterbacks. Uh, They had a ton of talent, but also problems. And you watch their college tape, you know, Josh Allen was like moments where like, that's not an accurate, like what's happening with accuracy there. Justin Herbert had problems on tape and they got to the NFL. They got great coaching and they got way better. And I, I could not have predicted that. And that's something where I've had to change. Like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are the reason why I wanted the 49ers to draft Trey Lance number three overall from North Dakota state because he's crazy talented. And with good coaching from Kyle Shanahan, the sky is the limit for Trey Lance. And so because of Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, I opened my mind a little bit and went, okay, Justin Fields had problems on tape. That doesn't mean he can't fix them either. So Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, guys like that. I'm like, these had problems, but I go, sure. But with good coaching, they can fix that. The talent is worth it to invest in them and maybe help them play the quarterback position with a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more finesse or um, a little more uh, polish, I guess. Polish is the word I'm looking for. You can teach Justin Fields how to extend plays and be a little more cautious with the ball. You can't teach anybody to run the ball like Justin Fields. Like that. That's just you have it or you don't. You can't teach a guy to run people over like Trey Lance can do. And so I, I think I've really evolved. You know, Lamar Jackson's another guy where we we saw him really develop and do incredible stuff. And you can't teach raw, incredible skill and talent. Like talent, if you can run like Lamar Jackson, I'll teach you how to play quarterback. Like I can teach you how to read a defense. I can't teach you to run like Lamar Jackson. So uh, that's how my process evaluating quarterbacks has evolved and changed recently because of some of these young quarterbacks. Like, I love Tua a lot. Tua Tungavaloa is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. I've got his jersey. It's the only NFL jersey I own. Physically, Tua can't do anything that impressive that you can't teach. Like, Tua can't run. Tua can't run people over. Tua's not incredibly tall. Tua doesn't have a massive arm. Tua's a guy who is very, very vanilla as a quarterback, who you can still be. Drew Brees was like that. Tom Brady's like that. Like, you don't have to be a freak of nature to have to be a good quarterback, but it sure does help. And so uh, I, that's how I've evolved and changed my way of processing and evaluating quarterbacks in recent years. Now, how about Vegas? I predicted the Las Vegas Raiders to go seven and nine in 2020. The reality is they went eight and eight. Uh, crazy enough, the only game I got wrong was I did not predict them to beat Kansas City week five. The Raiders beat Kansas City. It was I was very impressed with that win. And uh, I, I think people are too hard on Derek Carr. Uh, I think I've even been too hard at times on Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback. Um, he did some good stuff last year. And I, really the question about the Raiders is the team around Derek Carr rather than the quarterback. We're so quick to blame the quarterback. But if you don't have a good team around you, like what are you worth? Even Tom Brady. Couldn't do a lot with his hands tied in New England and not a lot of people around him. So the Raiders have had some first-round picks uh, in recent years that have not been 100% successful. Like Cleveland Farrell was kind of a weird pick. Uh, Damon Arnett last year, a first-round pick, a corner. Uh, He was disappointing as a rookie. Now, I am looking forward to watching Damon Arnett next year in 2021. And uh, in year two, I hope he's better. But the Raiders fired their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunford, Paul Gunther in December last year and uh, you know, Trent Brown, the right tackle, another example of people around Derek Carr, Trent Brown, the right tackle played only five games in 2020. He's actually not on the Raiders anymore. They traded him back to new England and uh, Henry Ruggs first round receiver. They drafted him 12th overall in 2020. 
I thought he was going to have a bigger impact last year. Now, we had 26 catches for two touchdowns, which is solid. Uh, although, and I will say, like, he he did, was often a decoy vertically where they'd run him vertical and it would open up space for other people underneath. And, you know, Henry Ruggs did create more opportunities for other receivers on the Raiders. But I still felt like Henry Ruggs wasn't exactly the rousing success I would have liked him to be last year. And so all in all, the Raiders right now are at this inflection point where it's year four with John Gruden. And I really wonder, are they going to fire the GM next? Like they fire the defensive coordinator. The head coach, John Gruden, has a 10-year deal. He's on year four of 10. They're not going to fire the head coach. Uh, and the Raiders have to take a big step forward next year in 2021 where, you know, I I, I just, man, they, they have to improve. They, they, they've just been so stagnant and similar for years and years. And they keep drafting first-round picks. And they keep not being the big success they need to be. Now, Musical Brew wrote in on Patreon. You can as well. Go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. So Musical Brew said this. My question is about the Raiders. What happened that brought them back to earth in 2020? At one point, I thought they were a Super Bowl team, yet it seemed to all come crashing down. How much of the blame goes on Derek Carr? How much on the head coach or the offensive and defensive coordinator? So, uh, Musical Brew, thank you for writing in. There was a moment last year, week eight, where the Raiders beat the Browns. And it was an awesome win. And I went, oh boy, like, all right, I'm all in. Let's raise the expectations for the Raiders. And uh, I thought they could finish six and three and then end up in, with the year going 10 and six. I was like, man, this is a team that could be in the mix for uh, the playoffs at the end of the year. And the problem is their roster just has so many holes. And uh, Raiders GM Mike Max got a lot of questions to answer again. The only person who can't really get fired in this situation is John Gruden. Whether they're gonna, they might change quarterbacks, GM, coordinators, but John Gruden's not going anywhere. And uh, it's kind of a weird scenario. There's not a lot of times where the head coach has as much power as John Gruden has. And I think a lot of the problems are just they need to build a better team. Like I, th- there's holes. The defense is a problem. The the offensive line, the lack of production from Henry Ruggs. Like I'm going like I. It's kind of annoying. Like, what's happening here? There's got to be a step forward in 2021. And uh, I think the next guy who might receive the blame is the GM, Mike Mayock. But the Raiders must take a step forward this upcoming year in 2021. Now, Denver. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let me drink some water real quick first. I predicted the Denver Broncos to go 11-5. In 2021, and uh, oh boy, I was wrong. I was wrong, very, very wrong. Uh, the Denver Broncos went five and eleven, the opposite of what I predicted. Uh, and 2020 was an awful, awful year for them. I thought this team was about to explode. I'm like, yes, Denver, the Broncos. They have a ton of offensive weapons. They have Drew Locke, their young quarterback, entering year two, coming off a good rookie year. I was thinking, man, like Denver is the prime example of exactly how you build a team to support a young quarterback. Like good O-line, ton of receivers, two running backs, stud tight end, Noah Fant, good defense, plus Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, calling plays. And, uh, I mean, they added defensive lineman Jarrell Casey, right guard Graham Glasgow from the Lions, running back Melvin Gordon. They added corner A.J. Boye. They drafted two good receivers, Jerry Judy. KJ Hamler. It goes on and on. Like on paper, Denver was so good. And then injuries hit. And Von Miller got hurt. And AJ Boye got hurt. Jarrell Casey, Cortland Sutton towards ACL. Denver had a ton of key players get injured. Uh, the right tackle, Juwan James, opted out because of COVID. The Broncos got hurt. And as the year went on, it got more and more messy. And, you know, there's a, a day where the quarterbacks broke COVID protocol. And then all of the quarterbacks on the Broncos roster could not play in the game against the New Orleans Saints. And so Denver had to start a wide receiver, Kendall Hinton, at quarterback, which is awful. It was a terrible—he had, like, one completion. It was, like, one for 11. It was awful. And uh, second-year quarterback Drew Locke was very, very disappointing for Denver, where he didn't play very well. There was also a rumor that, if true, is devastating. The rumor is that Denver had to simplify their offense— 
to allow Drew Locke to keep up. Like he couldn't keep up with the complexity of the offense. And that's awful if it's true. Because what that means is that rumor, if, if that rumor is true, then Drew Locke was holding back the Broncos last year, which is you never want to hear that about your quarterback. So Denver's in a very weird, interesting spot right now where they have a ton of talent, but they have no clear quarterback. They have Teddy Bridgewater. They have Drew Locke. I would imagine Teddy Bridgewater is much better than Drew Locke, but Teddy Bridgewater is very limited. He's like a duct tape quarterback. It's a, he's not a long-term answer. And it's disappointing because if Denver can get a quarterback, they will be terrifyingly good. But uh, I, right now it feels like a team that's wasting good years of a really good roster with the wrong quarterback. Kansas City. I predicted the Kansas City Chiefs to go 12-4 and four in 2020. Uh, the reality is they were even better than I thought. They went 14-2. and two. Uh, For the most part, I got it right, though. Uh, it's not hard to. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are a juggernaut. Uh, they drafted uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. I was like, that's a good pick, and that was kind of the rich getting richer. And it was obvious Kansas City would be very, very good. And I said they might win another Super Bowl. They did, in fact, go to a Super Bowl. They just ran into Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They lost in that Super Bowl. But I don't have a lot of interesting stuff to say about Kansas City. I, really, I, I don't talk about Kansas City a lot because they're so good, and when you're that good— and there's not a lot of questions. Like, frankly, I, I love Kansas City. I think they're, they're fun to watch. They're incredibly talented. The Lions are more compelling than Kansas City this upcoming year because I'm curious, is Jared Goff good? Is he the long-term answer? Is Kirk Cousins in Minnesota good? Like, I, when I have questions and I don't know, I find that more fascinating than Kansas City, who I never have a question. Kansas City's incredible. They're very good, and they're fun to watch. Uh, but they're a juggernaut, and when you're dominant and a juggernaut, to me, I find it less interesting because I don't have any questions I need to get answered. Now, Zach wrote in with a question on Patreon. You can, too. Go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Zach says this. Now, how realistic is it for the Chiefs to continue winning the division? Eventually, cap comes for all teams, especially teams as good as Kansas City. Do you think the window for them to win multiple Super Bowls in this division is short. The Broncos have a killer team on paper and just need to make big steps at quarterback. The Chargers have an insanely young, insanely talented young roster that's growing. Then the Raiders, well, I don't have much for them. I'm just curious how long you see them at the top. I am biased as Mahomes is my favorite player in the NFL, and I see them being near the top or at the top for years to come. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and this is Enjoy Your Vacation. I, I put this out a long time ago. Uh, the, the thread on Patreon. So I believe KC is going to keep winning for a long, long time. Part of it is because Patrick Mahomes appears to be willing to take less money to help his team. Like he, he's got a very, a lot of money was the big number, but actually in a weird way, a team-friendly contract where, you know, for example, every year Patrick Mahomes goes, how, how do I need to adjust my contract so we can get the pieces we need to win? There was a massive problem. The, the offensive line was a big question mark for Kansas City in this offseason and then immediately they not only solved their problem they upgraded they traded for left tackle Orlando Brown from the Ravens they signed guard Joe Thune from New England they signed to center Austin Blythe uh, they got Kyle Long out of retirement it's crazy how as much as people are worried about salary cap Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate ultimate asset for them where He's shown the ability. He's willing to adjust his contract to make things work for their roster. And good players want to play there. You know, Kyle Long came out of retirement. He wants to win. People are willing to compromise to go win in Kansas City, and that's awesome. That's the value and the attraction Patrick Mahomes brings where as long as Mahomes is there, there are going to be good football players who want to play there. And with Mahomes, as long as he's in Kansas City, he's going to make them good for a long, long time. Okay, uh, final topic of the day about Formula One. If you don't like Formula One, love you. Bye. Have a great day. The most interesting part of this Formula One season for me so far has been the battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, Red Bull versus Mercedes. 
And uh, going into the year, it felt like, man, maybe this is the year Mercedes goes down. Red Bull's got a really competitive car, a lot of pace. Uh, now, after the Spanish Grand Prix in Barcelona, we've had four races now. We're four races in. Lewis leads Max 94 points to 80. And Mercedes leads Red Bull 141 points to 112. The, the gap isn't massive. There's a gap, but it's not huge. It's somewhat close. And Red Bull has been making a lot of mistakes in the first four races. And either that gives you confidence or it gives you disappointment, depending on how you look at it. For me, I look at it this way. I guess first, let me say, either you feel like Red Bull is close or you feel like Red Bull um, is just, you know, Mercedes is a better team and Red Bull can improve. Uh, now, for me, I look at it as Red Bull just needs to make some small changes, tweaks here and there, clean some things up. And then, man, they, they're right there. They're in the mix. The fact that they've made so many mistakes and are still competitive with Mercedes says a lot about Red Bull. So I, I've got a very positive outlook. Now, for context, uh, let's look at Barcelona. Mercedes historically dominates the Barcelona track. Uh, leading up to the race this year, the Spanish Grand Prix in 2021, leading up to that race, Lewis had led every lap at Barcelona since lap 33 in 2018. So all of 2019, all of 2020, Lewis was in the lead the entire race. And so clearly things are different this year where in Barcelona this year, Red Bull and Max spent a lot of time in the lead at the front. They, th things are being changed in Formula One. That's progress. If nothing else, you go, wow, Red Bull, the way they're losing to Mercedes at, at minimum is different and more competitive. And the way Mercedes won, Mercedes won because of tire strategy at the most recent Spanish Grand Prix. It wasn't sheer domination. They won because they outsmarted Red Bull. That's another change. In the past, it's been, we are just bigger, stronger, faster, better. And uh, they outsmarted Red Bull. In lap 43, Mer Lewis Hamilton pitted. Max Verstappen did not. And I wanted Red Bull to react. I was sitting there going like, why aren't they having Max Verstappen take a pit stop as well? And it felt like Red Bull was caught off guard. But part of that is because, you know, so Mercedes went with a two-stop strategy Red Bull went with a one-stop. And even if Max had pitted, I'm not sure what tires he would have put on. Mercedes was smart. They had a lot of forethought. And they had two medium tires available for Lewis Hamilton during the race. Max Verstappen and Red Bull only had one medium tire left for the race by race day. So Red Bull was planning for a one-stop race, and Mercedes was prepared to go with a two-stop strategy if they needed to, and they did. So in Barcelona, Red Bull got outsmarted. Red Bull, uh, they got outsmarted. They also changed rear wings. That seemed like an unforced error from Red Bull's side. Back in race one in Bahrain, Sergio Perez had a power failure. That put him at the back of the pack uh, during the formation lap. Uh, so that really hurt. You know, Red Bull had Sergio Perez in the mix and then not in the mix by the, you know, the end of the formation lap. There's another moment where Sergio Perez passed uh, someone during yellow flags. That's another penalty, a costly mistake. Uh, in Bahrain, Max Verstappen went to pass Lewis and ran wide of track limits. Another mistake. Like, the mistakes are endless. In Portugal, more problems with track limits, where uh, it cost Max Verstappen pole position in qualifying. It also cost him the fastest lap during the race. So Red Bull is close. They just have to stop making costly, costly mistakes. And they got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Now, Monaco coming up is a, a track where it's hard to pass. It really, really relies on qualifying. So basically, whoever qualifies first probably will, will, win, uh, will win that race in Monaco. But after that, it's on. Things really open up. And uh, I am, I'm so, so curious if Max Verstappen and Red Bull can catch Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. I cannot wait to see how things play out the rest of the year. Now, there is one other really fun battle. I haven't talked about Spain at all yet, the Spanish Grand Prix. Uh, the battle for third is so good. It's, you know, it's basically there are four teams in the mix for really, I mean, there's lower battles down there. The battle for 10th at Spain was really fun, but Ferrari was better than Barcelona. Sorry, Ferrari was better than McLaren and Barcelona. Uh, but... After four races, currently McLaren leads Ferrari in the team standing 65 points to 60. 65 to 60. This battle for third is the second most compelling thing in Formula One right now, where you have, you know, it's, in fact, 
Ferrari and McLaren are got, they're even closer than Mercedes and Red Bull are in their battle. You got two teams, four drivers, Lando Norris, Danny Rick, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz. McLaren versus Ferrari is heating up. And e, like if you're a person rooting for Red Bull, I am. And whether we get Red Bull actually beating Mercedes or not, it's interesting. But I guarantee, like, even if that ends anticlimactically towards the end of the year, we are at minimum are guaranteed Ferrari and McLaren are going to have a battle to the end. And that's going to be so much fun. The battle for third place in the team standings in Formula One. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I just I, I am so excited for the rest of this F1 season. I like Monaco. It's fun. It's a spectacle. It's not that great of a race, honestly. Like, it's, it's fun to watch because of what it is. But there's not a lot of passing. There's not a lot of drama. After Monaco. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait for the rest of the year. It's going to be so much fun. And, uh, you know, Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, uh, Carlos Sainz, Danny Rick, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc. Like, these, these four teams and these two competitions between each other, for me, are the most compelling things right now happening in Formula One. All right, guys. That's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. Uh, I don't got any more. I'm going to drink some water the minute I am done. I love you. Have a great day. Take care. And uh, may Colt Brennan forever, ever rest in peace, man. That made me so, so sad. It broke my heart. And um, a Hawaii legend that, man, uh, may it rest forever, man. I, I, I loved Colt Brennan. Guys, my name is Zach Schallmer. Have a great day. I love you. But um, bam, we are done.